Why was popping? Well, welcome to the Gemini and Me podcast. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for pressing play. I'm your host, Shive Geek. Today, what I want to talk about is the Blueface interview with Big Boy, Kodak Black and Young M.A., the J. Cole GQ interview, Kim Kardashian, Daniel Caesar, Quentin Tarantino's new movie, Stranger Things season three, the full trailer, Disney Fox acquisition, James Gunn being rehired by Disney and a new Google gaming platform called State. Alright, so let's jump right in. The first thing I want to talk about is this new West Coast artist called Blueface, and he's really buzzing right now with the single Tatiana. Now, recently, he did an interview with Big Boys Radio on the West Coast, and he basically said that he doesn't care about hip-hop, he doesn't care about the accolades, he doesn't care about being lyrical, shit, he's not even a fan of the music. And the video was edited and doctored to show Cardi B saying basically the same thing. She don't give a fuck about lyricism, she don't give a fuck about proving herself, all she care about is making money and being at the top of the charts. And a young artist called NBA Youngboy, and he was basically saying the same thing, I don't give a fuck about none of that shit, all I want is the money, right? And so... What I think about that is, I'm I'm very. It's like a duality with me. I'm very. I'm happy that more young black people can have the access and the tools to to get themselves out of financial poverty. You know, what I'm saying and to be able to take care of their family just off this music shit, and to be able to take themselves out those negative situations. Like NBA Youngboy was facing a murder charge before the music popped. Cardi B was doing love and hip hop, and before that, she was stripping and you know being an influence on Instagram. I don't know what Blueface is doing, but I just want to preface preface this. I'm sorry. I just want to preface this by saying I'm never hating on the fundamental um, groundwork that they do, and by that I mean. I'm always happy to see a black person take themselves out of a bad situation and make, you know, something out of nothing. I love that. And that comes before my personal feelings on the music and, you know, what hip-hop and all the other shit means to me. Now, on the loving hip-hop side, um, I'm disappointed because I feel like young artists, and maybe people felt like this in the 90s and maybe... People feel like this in the 80s, you know what I'm saying? I'm about to be 30 years old in like two or three months, so my outlook could be a little bit different. But I just hate that younger artists don't show the respect to the genre, to the culture, and to older artists. Because I feel like at one point, and it's not even I feel like, at one point I feel like a lot of artists were doing this not just because of the money. I would be naive to say that, but because they actually wanted to be the best. Like I remember Wayne at 19 years old was to me better than a lot of people. Wayne at 21 years old was better than a lot of people. The Carter 2 came out when Wayne was 22 years old. You know what I mean? So it's like um, you take a little Yachty and people excuse him for not being super lyrical or letting his music be uh, subpar because oh he's young he has time to figure it out but it's like didn't Nas make Illmatic at fucking 19 also you know what I mean so it's like I don't understand I guess it's not even an issue with them because like I said they gonna do what they do but my thing is the gatekeepers and I guess by the gatekeepers I also mean the record execs and the, A&R, and the ARs and I say ARs and the A&Rs and whoever else is in these meetings and they're you know 
and letting this music be distributed across the world, it's like it's, it's absolutely no passion. And that's why you can get a Cardi B who will come right out and say, hey, I don't write this shit. I'm not going to write this shit, but y'all still going to fuck with my music because the music is good. I don't have to be passionate. I don't even have to like this shit. But y'all like me, so y'all going to support me. And to me, I'm just scratching my head because I know... And I was having a conversation with one of my friends about this, my nigga Courtney. I was telling him, it's like... And this is no disrespect to Drake, but I feel like I just wish that Drake would stand next to a young MC that, you know, was very talented at rapping instead of standing next to like a, well, not instead of, but while you're standing next to a, um, what is his name? Black Boy JB or like a 21 Savage or whoever else from the South that's really on some just, I'm not going to say bullshit music, but who lacks Lyrical ability. Like, I think it'd be dope for, like, an artist like Drake or artists like Nicki or, you know, another Hove or anybody basically just to stand next to an artist with the lyrical, with some lyrical ability. I think that'd be dope. And I know Eminem does it, but the way Eminem promotes his artists is different from, it's a different kind of look than if a Drake stood next to you. So, again, my issue is really with the gatekeepers because, like I said, I can't fault these artists for not being passionate. You know, it is what it is. If this, if you're trying to make money and this shit work for you, then, you know, kudos to you. My thing is... There should be somebody that's, you know, not letting people through the gates or letting them through the gates. Like, I feel like the state of music, it is what it is. I just wish that, you know, somebody was staying next. You know, I wish somebody was staying closer to a money-making Nick or Nick Grant than a NBA young boy or a black boy, JB, uh, a black youngster or whatever. And don't get me wrong. I understand that everybody has their personal taste in music and everybody likes what they like, but... At this specific moment, um, it's really to me on the like main on the mainstream front. It's only Cole and Kendrick. Like I said, on the mainstream front, it's only Cole and Kendrick holding it down for the people that like lyrical ability and substance. And I just feel like you know people could do more. So like I said, I'm not mad at Cardi. I'm not mad at NBA YoungBoy. I'm not mad at uh, Blueface. But the way that I love hip-hop and the respect that I have for the genre, I can never support what you do. I can never listen to your music. I can never click play on your music. I never give you that stream. I never buy your album. And the issue I have with Cardi is that I was fooled into thinking that Cardi was writing her music, right? I was fooled into thinking that she was, like, trying to do it. But then once I realized that it wasn't even a trying, it's just, it is what it is. It's like, okay, well, that's cool, but I can't support you. I won't support you. And I'm not going to listen to that. That's just my personal preference. So, um, will I say I'm disappointed in the interview that Blueface did? No, I'm not even shocked because again, like I said, these kids don't respect the genre and rightfully so, you know, they don't have to, like I said, it's just another payday. But, I think hip-hop is in a place to where, in my opinion, in my opinion, this is just my opinion and I could be wrong, but I think in the future we're going to be seeing less of um, Lil Yachty's and Blue Faces and more of the Nick Grants and Money Making Nick and the J.I.D.'s, you know, creeping through the seams and actually having lasting and longevity within their careers. But that's just my opinion. I feel like, and I say that because before I get off this topic, bullshit can only last so long, right? And you don't have to agree with me, 
And I'm sorry if any of these artists is like your favorite artists. You can't see me, but I'm doing air quotes. I just don't feel like bullshit is going to last. I feel like bullshit has a resurgence every once in a couple of years. But I think lyricism and bars are always going to be the mainstay. That's just my opinion. They're always going to be the mainstay. They're always going to be what people that buy and support music look for. At least in my head. But then again, I could be a dinosaur. I could be thinking prehistoric to how the record industry used to be like five, six, seven years ago. You know what I mean? I could be totally wrong. Um, But to end that discussion, like I said, I just wish that a person like Drake, who is my favorite rapper, um, would just stand next to a lyricist. You know what I mean? Like, I get that you like the party music and shit, but Drake standing next to a lyricist could, you know, that could be a really, really, really good look. But that's just my opinion. All right, so keeping in hip-hop, it seems to be tension with Kodak Black and Young M.A. Recently, Kodak Black released a song, and within one of the lines, he said something about how he wanted to fuck Young M.A. Now, as we know, Young M.A. is a lesbian. So, I guess when she got word of it, she addressed it on social media saying, yo, that's some, you know, that's some weird shit. Don't, I'd appreciate it if you don't do that. But um, we got a show coming up, so when we do see each other, we can have that conversation, and we ain't got to do the social media shit because... On social media, wise can get crossed and things can be said and taken out of context. So it's like she was just like, you know, when I see the nigga, I'll holler at him or whatever. So Kodak Black, being the person that he is, um, unfollowed everybody else on his Instagram but Young and May. And he also did an Instagram video, again, saying how he wants to fuck Young and May, which I think is super disrespectful. Now, I know I could use my platform to spew um, homophobic rhetoric, you know what I mean? But, for one, I'm not irresponsible. And for two, right is right, wrong is wrong. And for three, I have a cousin who is, well, I have a couple cousins that's gay. Two are lesbians, but one of my lesbian, one of my gay cousins I'm very, very close with, right? So, to me, when I see those jokes and I see those memes and I say niggas be like, oh, man, she a woman so she could take dick anyway, it's kind of like, nah, I'm not rolling. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not rolling because... I don't. I wouldn't want nobody to disrespect my people like that, and you know, her herself, she wouldn't let a nigga play with her like that. You dig? And I and she actually commented on it. My cousin and she was like, she don't understand the whole how a nigga could be like he want to fuck a lesbian, and that's supposed to be cool. But if a chick walked up to a nigga and said, "Hey, let me put this dildo on your booty," how you know you don't like it if you never had it? You know. Because I feel like, for me personally, that would be the same thing as a gay nigga telling me, say, bro, let's fuck you. And be like, you don't know you like it if you never did it. And it's like, nigga, I don't have to do that to know I don't fucking like it. You know what I mean? Like, it that don't do nothing for me. But on another note, it's kind of like, I just feel like this shit could be a situation that get escalated into some other shit. And it really don't need to be. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like whoever... Whatever mutual party they got, if there's a mutual party, because I know he's from Miami and she's from um, New York, it's like somebody kind of need to get in between that and de-escalate that, because I, I feel like that shit could go really, really, really left, and it don't even need to be. And I don't understand why Kodak Black is like, <laughs> why he is the way he is. I don't understand it. Like, I personally don't listen to his music, because a couple years ago he made a comment about how dark-skinned women are ugly as fuck, and how, dark, how he hates dark skin, so... And I know he's young. I know he can learn to do better and, you know, all that shit with time. But I'm I'm not rolling with dude. I don't fuck with dude. I don't like I don't like the way he think. Um, his music is okay to me. Young and May, I'm not a fan of hers. Her music is okay to me. But I guess I'm just thinking on a deeper level. I just hope that when they do run into each other, it's not like a situation to where 
somebody gets hurt because of some dumb shit, uh, because of a funny ass punchline in a rap song that nigga just was just too prideful to apologize about because I feel like that's real childish. But a nigga like that, he is childish and that shit just is what it is. You know what I mean? Like it's really nothing you could do about that, but I guess deal with the shit how it come. Now, next I want to talk about the man of the hour. I feel like the man who 2019 is going to belong to, whether it be through his Dreamville team, whether it be through J.I.D., Boss, or Kaz, or whoever. My motherfucking nigga, Jermaine Cole. It's a cold world, you dig? Recently, J. Cole covered GQ magazine. And I don't know if this was like his first cover ever, but... I read the article, and it was a really, really well-written article. And it basically talked about how, if you're know, if you a fan of J. Cody, you know, like, he's kind of a secluded guy. He doesn't enjoy the fame. He doesn't enjoy being a celebrity. I don't think he's against it, but I think J. Cole likes to live in his own world. He just likes to chill with his wife and his son, you know, and make his music. And when it's time to put an album out... He'll be more active and be more visual for a second and then go back to being a reclusive and just chilling with his family. But he was saying in an interview that um, the way that music, the direction that the music industry is going to as far as everything being on social media and people feeling like they should have uh, have the ability to reach out and touch a superstar, he said that he's actively working on just being more visual, right? And so... He said that while he does enjoy the comments about, hey, J. Cole went platinum with no features, it kind of makes him want to be like, well, fucking man, maybe I'll just go ahead and put a feature on the next album so they can just stop talking about this shit because it's not like I don't enjoy doing features with people. I just enjoy having 100% control over what's going on with my... Or maybe that's not the right phrasing. I guess I think J. Cole just likes to be in his own bubble, and I feel like if a, if a record is not within the theme or just doesn't make sense for placement on the album, he doesn't do it, and he doesn't need to. You know what I'm saying? Like, I hear a lot of people say that they would prefer Cole to, you know, get some outside producers and not just do all of his own beats. Let somebody else do that hook. Let somebody else do that beat. Let somebody else do that bridge. Or let somebody else have, have those background vocals. And... As a J. Cole fan, I can kind of agree with it. You know what I mean? Like, I'm I'm definitely interested in hearing what this next solo project sounds like because I definitely want to hear J. Cole on some other people's beats. I definitely wouldn't mind Cole, you know, having a track with, like, a Kendrick or having a track with a Drake or having a track with whoever and just being more collaborative. You know what I mean? As far as his solo album. Now, the Dreamville album that's coming out, I know that's going to be a bunch of collaborations, but that's one thing. I'm talking about the next J. Cole solo album. And so, you know, like I said, the interview was just basically was about him um, at the All-Star game and that performance he did. And it was right before that and a couple of days after that. And it was just saying, like, it's a lot. It's, it's some big things. And so he's trying to switch it up. And like I said, trying to be more visual. Like, if you notice on his last album, KOD, he had like three different videos. And I know he for sure he did KOD. Um, no, did he? He did ATM. And he did the Kevin's Heart song. And I thought it was like one more track. But he just did the video for 21 Savage. He did the video for Worst of 5'9". And he did the video for Moneybag Yo. So J. Cole has just been more visible. And I just like the fact that he's more visible. Because I always felt like J. Cole, along with Drake and Kendrick, like if he just was in a spotlight more, like it would be... 
more evenly matched as far as like popularity. Even though he doesn't need to be popular because he's going fucking platinum with no features. And when I say platinum, I'm speaking about when you were still selling a million copies or, you know, even a digital copy of the album. I'm not talking about the streaming era of platinum where like Cardi B and Amigos go platinum on streaming and shit. And that's no disrespect to them. But I just, you know, want y'all to know if y'all don't know how the streaming shit works, like J. Cole was going platinum from actually going, like, actually selling a million copies of that album, like, real platinum, not that streaming shit, real platinum, and then in the streaming era, he still sets records, like, KOD broke a record on Spotify and Apple, if I'm not mistaken, you know what I mean, so, as you can tell, I'm just a big, I'm just a huge J. Cole fan, and I like that he really opened up during the interview, you know what I mean? Like, like, he'll never tell you, like, okay, what's going on with my wife? What's going on with my son? How things with my mom going? But, you know, he opened about how when he first got into the game, um, the, the sideline story, he played the game for that album, right? He got signed to Hove, and Hove is basically saying, yeah, I fuck with you, but we're not putting this album out if you don't have a single. And they'll say he worked hard, and he thought he had a single and who that, but that wasn't a single. So he made work out. And, you know, that work, and they put the album out, and the album did what it needed. The album did what he needed it to do. I remember because my nigga Zell put me on the album. The first J. Cole album came out, and it did 250,000 copies the first week, and everybody was like, wow, that's crazy. And then Born Center came out and did the same exact thing. And it's like, okay, this nigga, you know what I mean? Like, he doing it. But for that album, he also had to play the game, which is why we got a song like, Would You Believe Me If I Said I'm In Love? What's the name of the song? Power or something like that? I think the song is called Power. And then he had a situation to where he was at the BET Awards and he got styled by the same person that, well, he got styled in the same way that two other artists did. And then the year before that, he didn't win Grammy for the best album of the year. And he said that he was glad because if he had a won that Grammy, then it would have made him feel like, okay, I won this Grammy, so I have to be this kind of artist moving forward. So with the third album, he took a step back, um, he reflected, and he made the album that he wanted to make, even if he even if the album would have flopped and the label would have dropped him, he made the album that he wanted to make 100%. And from that, he shot off. Like, now you go from, like, B-lister to fucking... A-list fucking superstars, and now you're heading, headlining um, arenas and shit. You know what I mean? So I just like that he stayed on his shit. He doubled down. He said, you know what? I'll bullshit. Not even bullshit, because J. Cole never made bullshit music. But I'll play the game with these record execs and the label, you know, and the fans for these first two albums. And then on the third one, when I got shit on my terms, that's when I'll be me. And it's like, you got to love it. The next album that came out of 2014, Forest Hills Drive, was For Your Eyes Only. And that nigga went platinum on that. I don't think the nigga shot a video for it. You know what I mean? Like, he didn't even shoot a video for that shit. That nigga dropped the album and went right back to chilling with his family. And I just think that's the dopest shit in the world. Because at the end of the day, like I was saying earlier, music is... Real music, real genuine good music is going to outlast all this bullshit. And J. Cole is one of those artists for me who makes real genuinely good music and I don't care what nobody say nigga can't tell me different I just feel like that shit is gonna outlast that shit is still gonna be here 10 years from now you know what I mean so that's just how I feel about J. Cole and um the GQ interview and like I said it was very very well written um I'm not gonna say that I learned anything that I didn't know from J. Cole before but uh I just like glimpses into 
his life because he's so very private. So anytime he does open his mouth and decide to share, I'm all tuned in because I feel like, you know, it's just a, it's just a dope situation, man. You got to love J. Cole. And if you don't like J. Cole, then I, I kind of feel like you're a dummy. But that's a whole kind of another situation that we're not even going to talk about here. You dig? Now, keeping with music, Daniel Caesar, and if you don't know who Daniel Caesar is, I don't know what his biggest song is. But he had an album called Fru Fraudulent. I'm probably pronouncing that mad wrong. But he had an album called, in my opinion, that was pronounced Fraudulent. And um, he had this song with her, right? And I think that song actually won a Grammy. So just Google Daniel's, like, pause this, pause the podcast right quick and go Google Daniel Caesar. And then come back. All right, you back? Cool, word. All right, so Daniel Caesar was recently on his Instagram Live, and he was saying that he doesn't understand why black people can talk about white people, but then get mad when the same is done to us. And that stemmed from the situation with Yes Jews, and how Yes Jews, who, by the way, is a white influencer within the culture, who um, recently had some harsh words for Joe Budden, Scotty Beam, and Karen Civil. Now, Karen Civil and Scotty Beam are two positive black women within a culture who, you know, just are making, are doing very positive things for black women, period. And I just feel like they're opening the doors for other black women to come through. So people are upset because, yes, Jules is even attacking them when supposedly the way that she even got to where she at in the industry was by sleeping with people and hosting parties and fucking rappers and fucking um, execs and fucking movie stars and shit. So basically it's saying that she slept her way to her position and she shouldn't even speak on people that work their way there, let alone why speak down if our lanes are two different things. Like if you promote parties or you do curate playlists and I have a whole social media organization. I'm a journalist. Like, we're in two different lanes, so there's no need for you to speak on me anyway. So that's just to give y'all a little backstory. But I advise you to Google Yes Jews. And I, you should, if you listen to my podcast, then you should be in a know enough to know who Karen Civil is and who Scotty Beam is. So I'd suggest you Google those people too. But that's just me giving you a little backstory. Originally, I didn't want to talk about Yes Jews because I feel like... I don't want to, and my platform is super small. It's probably like only five to ten people that listen to my podcast on a weekly basis. But I still don't want to use my platform to give bullshit like that any kind of shine. You know what I mean? Like, I don't never want to give shine to a culture vulture. But here we go. Calling him a house nigga in all kind of derogatory terms. And when I seen the video, well, actually, I seen, I was, I was on Twitter and I seen that he was trending, and I was like, oh, shit, I hope Daniel Caesar ain't heard him. Maybe he just dropped a surprise album. So then I started going through the tweets, and I seen people saying, you know, he's a coon, he's a Phil nigga, he's this and that. So I'm like, damn, what the fuck this nigga done said? So when I actually found the video, I seen it, and I was like, okay, I get... It's kind of like the same thing with Kanye and this Trump shit, right? You are not trying to chastise black people for being upset. You're just trying to say, hey... We shouldn't be this way towards white people. We shouldn't treat them this way. Maybe if we all could just get along and all could be friendly and, you know, just spread love and joy and peace amongst each other, then we wouldn't have these issues. And he was like, you know, I know, you know, white people enslave black people, but man, that was so long ago. We just got to work and move and get past that. And so for me, I take that as he's, he's very uneducated. Like he hasn't. 
educated himself enough to publicly speak on this. And this is not to shoot him no bail, but he was drunk. He did continuously say, hey, man, I'm drunk while I'm saying this, whatever, whatever. But I just think it comes down to you just not being educated enough to speak on these issues, right? A black person, well, you know what? I'm not even going to get that deep, but because if you offended this podcast and you know how far I can take this shit. But I just feel like Daniel Caesar, from me to you, even though you'll never hear this, just educate yourself more on race issues before you speak on race issues because if you speak on something that you have no knowledge about you come off sounding foolish and then people that do have knowledge are going to chastise you and they're going to check you and they're going to put you in your place and that doesn't necessarily have to be a bad thing like this you can look at this like a learning experience like hey i jumped off the ledge and i really didn't know what the fuck i was talking about but i was passionate about it and i just want you know peace and i get that but it's like yes jews is a culture vulture it's you know a known fact so don't chastise black people for chastising yes Jews. If you're friends with yes Jews, you have a conversation with your friend and help her understand um, that, hey, maybe you can go about doing things a different way and you wouldn't be perceived this way. Maybe if you, you know, did this instead of that, then, you know, people wouldn't be so upset. People would be more accepting of you being in the culture. You know what I mean? So I'd feel like you go chastise your white friend about being racist. Don't chastise us for being mad about her being racist. And that's all I got to say about that. I don't need to cancel Daniel Caesar. I'm I still definitely want to check out his next album whenever it comes out. If he chooses to, like I said, educate himself and just not, you know, speak off the ledge. And we all talk off the ledge. We all speak on things that maybe we don't know, uh, maybe we don't have 100% information about. But this needs to be the first and last time because you're too big of a celebrity to jump out there saying shit like that without any repercussions. And I don't even know if that's good for your fan base. Like, to me, I don't see how you could, <laughs> like, have this white Republican kind of demeanor but you make neo soul music the shit is kind of backwards to me but hey dog if that's your thing do your thing i just like again i said it, it's it's just very interesting to them you know there's no need to disrespect him and talk crazy to him just let him know hey man you're going about this the wrong way and i feel like if you you know went about this this way you might have different results but speaking on a culture vulture topic i want to talk about kim k right and within the past year, Kim Kardashian has done a lot for, I want to say, the justice reform activist thing kind of topic, sort of. And basically, she she's helping get Cynthia Robinson released. Um, a guy that just got released from jail after spending the past 25 years there, she's trying to pay his rent for up to five years, but because of his record... Nobody, and I think it's the state of North Carolina, I could be wrong, it could be Tennessee, but whatever state they're in, no landlord wants to sign, wants to allow him to sign his name on the lease, even though Kim is willing to pay up to five years, which is weird to me, because I've never, ever in my personal life had a situation to where the landlord didn't take cash up front, but I really was moving around in a college town the past 10 years, so... You know, it could be different in, you know, bigger cities, but I never seen nobody that's going to fucking pass up on five fucking years of rent. That's ridiculous. But I say that to say this, and I'm not going to stay on this too long because I stayed on the Daniel Caesar subject a little bit longer than I wanted to. 
Um, I don't get why Kim Kardashian is getting so much spotlight for this, even though she's she is doing right, like not even right, but what she's doing is very commendable, right? It is very, very commendable. I just don't understand why she's getting more shine than a person that within the past year than a person that has dedicated their entire life to being an activist um for criminal justice reform. Like it's people that literally have made this their life's mission to, you know, be an activist and, and protest and let the world know what's wrong within that system. And I don't understand why Kim Kardashian just to just gets to just come in and just say, Hey, I'm Kim Kardashian, I'm gonna do this and I'm gonna do that. And now they're like hailing her like, oh my God, Kim is just fucking wonderful. Kim is just great. Look what she's doing. And it's like it's black people that's been doing this for years, like for the past 20 years, and y'all not giving them the same kind of um, attention, or they're not getting recognized in the same way, and I just, I, I don't understand that, and the reason I thought about this is because I was watching State of the Culture, and the topic came up, and Scotty Beam said, no, I don't know if it's Scotty Beam or Jinx, but it really made me sit back and be like, well, yeah, what you're doing is commendable, Kim, but why the fuck are you... And I know it's not your fault, but why is Kim Kardashian outshining a person that's been an activist for the past 20 years? Like, why? You know what I mean? So, I don't have an answer to that. I know you don't have an answer to that. It just seems ass backwards, and I just wanted to put the topic out into the air. So, for anybody who's listening to this, um, in the comments, or just tweet me, or put it on Instagram... I would like to know what you think about that because it's really interesting to me. You know, more will come as more information is revealed. But a person that's, you know, just spent the last year doing that, just outshining a person that's been doing this for 20 years and dedicated their whole life and risked their lives for this. And when I say risked their lives, I'm talking about like even the Ferguson situation where they just found six activists. I'm sorry. Six activists that were protesting during um, Flint. Michigan, was it Flint or was it, was it Mike Brown? Okay, anyway, six people that were activists during the Flint, Michigan protests just were recently found dead. And they said three of them were like shot in the head in a torch car and the other one was like under some, just some weird ass shit, right? And so this activist, this protest and shit, it's not a joke, it's not a game. It's like people really, well, black people really put their lives on the line to fight for us, and so, it, it just, like I said, I can get into a wormhole with this, but it, it just goes a lot deeper than just surface level, and again, I don't understand why Kim Kardashian gets the praise she gets, but, you know, it's Kim K, so, and that's not to excuse it, but, like I said, it's just a little weird to me, but I'm gonna move on, because we don't need to, you know what I mean, yeah, Critically acclaimed director Quentin Tarantino just released a poster for his ninth film, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and that film is starring Brad Pitt and Leonardo DiCaprio. All we know about it so far is that it's set in the 60s, and the only reason I'm saying this is because I like um, Brad Pitt, and I like, well, I love Leonardo DiCaprio, and I'll be digging Quentin Tarantino films, you dig? So, like I said, it's not a whole lot of information released on that right now, but that should look fire, and anything with Leo in it, I'm going to see, you dig? Now... The Stranger Things Season 3 trailer, what well, a full trailer is out, and I'm excited. Like, I don't know how y'all feel about Stranger Things, but I remember in 2016 when they was doing the um, marketing campaign for it, I thought it was a dope show. When I watched it, I loved it. I loved Season 2. I love how it ended. 
And I'm liking this one. I'm liking to see, like, the progression of them going from, like, you know, little bitty, not little bitty kids, but, like, kids to, like, you know, semi-teenagers to, like, you know, teenager, teen, not, you know, not older teenagers, but still young, but not young as they were. And, you know, it's tension in the group now in the trailer. It was a line about, I don't know who was telling who this, but somebody was saying, did you think that we were going to sit in my basement and play games forever? Like, we older now. You know, it's shit going on. And so, in the trailer, I was looking to see if, I don't know the names, y'all. Y'all going to have to forgive me. But the main character, his big sister, I don't know if she's still dating that guy's brother. You know what I'm saying? The high schoolers, I don't know if they're still together, but they need to be together. Because I don't understand why they wasn't just together from the second season. And I want to see what Eleven is doing and how she going to fuck shit up. And you know what I'm saying? How she going to beat the monster and all kind of other shit. So if you haven't seen that trailer, go peep that trailer. That trailer is dope. Again, I am a big fan of Stranger Things. And I was kind of upset that they skipped it last year. But that just makes me feel like this year, because it's coming out in July. That just makes me feel like it's going to be stupid good if y'all made niggas wait a whole year for it. Like, stupid good. And this wasn't even on a docket, but... I'm really ready for um, ATL Season 3, but I know Donald Glover's dad just died, so I'm not, you know, in a rush. I'm not putting that into the universe like, yo, nigga, you need to be working on it or whatever, whatever. but I'm excited for that, too, because those are really, really great shows. Speaking of shows, Disney has officially finished the Fox acquisition. And so, let me read you some of this, um, some of the things that they acquire, right? They, Disney officially owns now... <laughs> Let me reset that. Disney now officially owns 20th Century Fox, FX Cable Network, the National Geographic Channel, 30% of Hulu. And actual shows are some of the properties that they own now are The Simpsons, X-Men, Alien, Predator, Ice Age, Home Alone, Avatar, and Titanic. And so, in my opinion, I'm thinking... It's definitely going to be a Home Alone reboot. I can see them redoing Titanic and trying to, you know what I'm saying, make that shit again. Avatar, as you know, Avatar got three sequels in the work. Shout out to James Cameron. And I can't fucking wait for, oh my God, for X-Men to be in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Like, that definitely means we about to get a new Wolverine. That definitely means that we're going to maybe possibly see Deadpool and Spider-Man in the same movie, a Wolverine and Spider-Man in the same movie, or like a Wolverine and... Like, dog, the, the fucking... Oh my, this shit is just... It's a nerd's dream come true. It is a fucking nerd's dream come true. I, I can't even... And I'm not even the biggest Marvel fan, but just the fact that now they have the rights to these characters, that shit is ridiculous. I'm going to keep it a buck. Like, I'm stupid excited. And keeping on the topic of Disney, they actually rehired James Gunn, who got fired last year. And if you don't know what James... If you don't know who James Gunn is, basically he is a director of the Guardians of the Galaxy movies, Right. And so he was fired last year because somebody dug up some 10-year-old tweets where he was making really crude jokes. And I remember one joke was about having sex with a kid or having sex with a child. And I'm not going to excuse that. I really had a neutral stance on that. And I don't... To me, it was kind of like weird-ass white boy humor. That's what I'm going to call it. Because like, I know white people have different comedy than us but if you go read like if you can actually go find the tweets and you go read it 
to me, in my opinion, it wasn't nothing malicious. It was just like you're being a airhead and a dickhead and you're just taking these jokes too far. But it wasn't like, yeah, man, I spent my time wanting to fuck kids. It was just making crude ass weird. It's kind of like, imagine a person tweeting like Family Guy style jokes on the internet with no... No fox in the background to tell them, hey, man, that's too far. That's exactly what it is. It's like he was making jokes and just going stupid far. But again, it was 10 years ago. And so I remember the cast of Guardians of the Galaxy was saying, hey, we really want this director. You know, he said some dickhead shit, but we really support him. We really love him. We don't want to do this film without him. Alright y'all, so this last topic is for my hardcore gamers out there. Google recently did a press conference a couple days ago and revealed that they were releasing a gaming platform called Astadia. It's supposed to instantly stream games in less than 5 seconds, play AAA games on any screen, and have no loading or downloads. Also, while playing at 4K in 60 frames per second. Now to my gamers, I know what you're thinking. It sounds too good to be true, and I'm going to reserve judgment until it comes out or it's a playable demo. So, I think that that's super interesting because they also said that it's supposed to be more powerful than the PS4 and Xbox One. So, I don't know if they're planning on releasing it to like combat the PS5 and the Xbox, whatever the next Xbox is called. But I did see that they're supposed to release the Stadia this year, so I don't know how that's going to work. Maybe they got some, you know, Wii shit going on to where Nintendo will release a game at the tail end of the that generation of consoles. And then when the next generation comes, that one is still kind of like lingering behind. I don't know. I just know that to me, it just seems too good to be true. And we'll see. Because I don't, like, how much data is that going to use? What's the price point? I've seen the controllers. The controllers basically look like a mix between a PS4 and an Xbox controller. It's supposed to be able to use USB um, controllers um, and Bluetooth. So, it's just, it's it's a lot that I don't know, but on paper, it seems like a very, very dope idea. It seems like, like, honestly, the dopest shit I've heard in the gaming world since like the introduction of the PS4 and the Xbox One where they said you would no longer need um to buy streaming devices. You could just stream straightly from I mean directly from the console, how you can record yourself and you know the power and processor and stuff like that. So not gonna lie, man. I, I don't plan on getting this well, I don't know. I ain't gonna I'm not gonna just say I don't plan on I don't know, but like I said, on paper it sounds really good, but it kinda like I said, it kinda sounds too good to be true. Like we don't know the price point, we don't know the exact re- release date, like are they aiming for a summer release date? Are they trying to shoot towards the holidays? How would that even work? Like how much is that is it a subscription service or is it just you just download to anybody's internet or Wi-Fi. You just stream it like that. Because to stream a game at 4K, 60 frames per second, in my opinion, that would take, uh, not even my, that would take a lot of data, right? And so, I don't know how that's going to work. Maybe that's just going to be some rich people shit. I don't know. But, like I said, it's, it's a good idea on paper. It's a real good idea on paper. All right, and that's it. It's wrap-up time. Again, this is the Gemini in Me podcast. I am your host, the Shive Geek. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for listening. Shout out to my homeboy, Kellen, who sent me the beat and actually the new theme music for the Gemini in Me podcast. Kudos to you, sir. Thank you very much. If you guys need me, you can catch me on Twitter and Instagram. And my handle is at the Shive Geek. That is T H A S H I V E. 
G-E-E-K. And again, man, thank you guys for tuning in. Thank you for listening. Thank you for sharing and reposting and whatever else. Like, I'm just forever grateful for anybody that listens. And until next time, I'll let you.